What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Michael Falk, and this is going to be the first episode of Season 3 of our podcast. Uh, with the start of 2023, we're going to roll over to a new season. All of the initial episodes, Season 1 and 2, will still be available on all of your major podcast hosts, so you can still go back and listen to those. But we're going to be starting Season 3. Uh, this year, we're going to be continuing with two interviews of local uh sports performance, wellness, rehabilitation, nutritionists, sports psychologists, coaches, etc. Um, and then one episode that will be focused from our staff on practical advice for specific injuries, specific sports, specific conditions to try to give everyone things to uh, be able to help them currently and, and implement right away. So to kick off this season, we're going to be starting with Luke Meyer. And Luke is a local basketball coach that runs Real Work Basketball. He specializes in developing players uh, from middle school to high school, college, and works with many of the professional players in the Milwaukee area. So he has a great wealth of knowledge surrounding the game of basketball. He has previously been on the podcast all the way back in season one, where we talked much more about high school, college, and professional players and development. Today, he and I are going to take it in a little different direction. We are going towards youth basketball development and working with younger kids. So this is a great episode. Luke has recently been able to have the opportunity and the challenge to coach his own son. And he and I have talked about this a lot, and we finally decided to sit down and record a podcast about what he's learned, what he's noticed, what trends he's seeing in the youth basketball space, what he would do differently, um, and then share his insight on how do you approach basketball and, and really any sport from a long-term development perspective of how do we help these kids be great adults but also great players and really get the most out of their youth sports experience so this is a great episode and uh, i hope you really enjoy it what's up everyone welcome to another episode of the milwaukee sports performance podcast i am joined today by luke meyer and Luke and I are going to be talking about youth basketball today. So if you guys don't know, um, Luke is a local basketball skills coach that um, we've worked with over the past really four and a half, five years since we opened Kinetic. Um, and he's a great guy, really knowledgeable about the game and uh, has really been a good good partner with us on, on some of our athletes that are rehabbing and, and doing things like that. So Luke's actually been on the podcast before. So We've now been podcasting long enough that we've burned through uh, our, our list of, uh, of friends and now we're going back to the people that were on in the first couple of seasons and, and talking about different things as well. So if you haven't, um, I'll include the link to the past episode that Luke and I did probably three years ago now. Um, and then today we're going to dive into some some different topics. So Luke, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to come on today. Thank you. And we could be honest too, like I asked to come back. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. When when you're looking for, like we, we've continued to shift how we do this podcast because initially we we're trying to do one interview a week when we started this, That's a lot. which yeah, and I like quickly realized I don't think I know that many people <laughs> to like do that. And so now we're doing kind of two, epi or two episodes a week. Um, with people in the community or two episodes a month with people in the community and then um, our staff is helping us by trying to create some like resources on specific injuries or specific like joints or problems that we see a lot that are like more practical so um, but when you're constantly looking for guests it's very uh, uh, very helpful to have people that like have an idea and they want to come on for so yeah, PSA, if you would like to come on a podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out. Send us a DM on Instagram. Um, we are always um, open and, and looking for people that are really good at, at what they do and, and want to come on and share information. So let's um, just kind of start off with like a little bit broad. Um, you and I have had conversations recently, but like you work with basketball players of different ages from youth to high school, professional, college players. Um, but right now some of your kids are actually for the first time starting to get involved in the youth basketball kind of scene. So what are some of the things that you've noticed kind of in that youth basketball arena now, almost from a different perspective as a parent rather than just a basketball coach? Uh, well, I guess the first thing for me was I always, you know, like you said, I have an outsider's perspective. 
so I can see all these things going on. And then like, once you get into it, uh, the kind of extent of that stuff, uh, maybe changes. Um, so like my oldest son is eight. He started playing basketball. So he's like in the feeder program for the high school team. I'm coaching the team. Um, and like, I think there's, there's things that I thought were going on that aren't, and there are things that, uh, I think should be going on that aren't. And, um, it's been really good for me to get into it. And I think it's made me for sure. I mean, it's, it's made me like a better, uh, trainer. It's made me a better dad. Uh, it's made me, um, like, cause so like my son is not a good basketball player. <laughs> okay. Just like he's not, and it's not his fault. Like he, I was very much hands off with him because I had seen what it looked like with parents kind of like forcing their kid to do stuff. And I, you know, I just knew through experience, like that's not the way to do it. Yeah. But I should have been more, uh, hands-on from like an exposure standpoint. Yeah. So like I didn't, we did nothing. Like (laughs) he didn't play. He didn't like, I didn't do anything with him in the driveway. Um, so we get to the team and he's, you know, all the other kids have played. Yeah. And like, he's just not, uh, very good. And he wasn't having fun. Okay. And part of that was probably how I was kind of like handling him, not being very good. Um, and then, you know, I goes, which is fine that he's not good, but I'm like, okay, then you got to practice, dude. Yeah. Um, but he didn't want to practice because he wasn't good at it. Right. And like, you know, as an eight year old kid, that makes sense. And, uh, it was really hard for me. Like really, really hard for me to take a step back and like reevaluate, like, what are we, what is this whole thing about? Right. And it kind of came back to, um, after a lot of like, I talked to a ton of people, like a lot of self-reflection. Cause it was like really bothering me. Like, I, like Morgan was like, stop talking about this. Yeah. Like my wife. Yeah. Um, like it was eating at me like <laughs> all day, every day. I was like, all I would think about. And, uh, you know, it's like if, if your kid, when he's 30 years old and he wasn't a good basketball player in third grade, does it matter? No, like not at all. But I think what happens and like kind of the, the bigger point is when you get into these situations, you kind of, you have this like narrow, narrow focus of, what's going on in that moment. And, um, I think being able to like step back and, and just look like, what are we, what are we actually trying to do was, was like so helpful for me. And I think would be so helpful for any parent because you start to get, um, and this is one of the things that I knew was out there, but like I hadn't experienced it where, you know, you have like maybe a kid that kids that are good or, maybe they're not even good, but they're all, you know, they're, they're going to this trainer or they're playing on this team. And like, well, if we want, if we want Will to be good, like maybe he should play on that team. And then that team practices year round twice a week and they, you know, travel for tournaments and, um, you kind of get like, there's a pressure there, right? right? To like, like a little bit of like keeping up with the Joneses, but it's also kind of like give your kid the best opportunity chance or opportunity. Um, I think like what I've learned is like, I think, I think that's good, uh, to a certain standpoint, but then like I just said, go back and say, what are we actually trying to do here? Yeah. Are we trying to make a professional athlete? Like, probably not probably not yeah. like maybe like oh yeah that would be cool but like is that really going to happen no so like i kind of flipped how i approached it and i'm like i need to 
I need to teach my kid and all the kids that I coach, not just Will, um, more like life skills through this. So, you know, like he didn't want to practice because he wasn't good. So then I'm like, well, is that a, is that just with this basketball thing or is this a character thing, right? Or anytime he doesn't want to do something or doesn't like it, you start to, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Because then, you know, if he doesn't want to play basketball, that's fine. But if he doesn't want to do anything that he doesn't like or that's hard or that he's not good at, then that's more of a problem as a, as a whole person. Right. right. So um, there was a little bit of that, like, with him, um, which I think is normal. Like, you want to do what you're good at. But we've been able to do some different things, like... He wanted a pair of shoes. We were like, Nike outfit. And I'm like, all right, well, what, you don't need shoes. I'll, I'll buy them for you, but you don't need shoes. Like, what are you going to do for these shoes? And he's like, well, I could I could practice really good and practice hard and listen. And I'm like, well, you should do that. <laughs> regardless. regardless. Like, yeah. I don't think I need to pay you to do that. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, how about the shoes are like, you know, 45 bucks or something. Like, what about you got to practice at least one minute a day the basketball, I don't care what you do. I'll help you if you want. But, like, you want these basketball shoes, then you, that will be your payment. Like, as a way of trying to instill those life skills in them, right? Yeah. Like, commitment, what actually happens when you work hard. Yeah. And practice something consistently. And that was, like, three weeks ago that we did that. And he's done it every day. Like, if it's about to go to bed, you know, oh, I, I didn't, I got to do my basketball. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's not great, but like his improvement in that time has been incredible right. just based on he's like never practiced before. So he's going to have a more rapid rate of improvement. Um, but then like now he's having a little bit more fun when he's playing because he's, he's better. He's a little bit more confident. And I think he's seen what the practice is is doing for me so like I think that's um, been really rewarding for me as a parent yeah and um, you know like you see that not just with Will but like the other kids where they're you see them starting to grow and they're like learning how to play basketball and uh, how to be a teammate yeah you know like um, when somebody else messes up, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, that's not <laughs> how, you know, and like they're eight, they're eight. So like, we're trying to match them up on defense and it's like, no, I have 15. No, I have 15. And there's two guys on the floor, like arguing <laughs> who's got 15. Well, like they passed the ball to number three, who's not being guarded for a wide open layup. So like, you know, like communication, Yeah, we're not, uh, this isn't an argument. We're not trying to, blame somebody or I'm right, you're wrong. All that matters is that we figure it out. Yeah. And like you start to see the like little flashes of it and um, it's been like super rewarding. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I mean, you just hit on so many good points that we talk about with people. Like sports are just so much, like in youth sports especially, it's so much bigger than, like no one cares who the best eighth grade, seventh grade, third grade basketball player was they like don't long term yes but, but they like do when right you're now in that window, yeah that's what happens it's like look at that kid like what's that kid doing yeah like, no exactly but it's like i don't know how good was steph curry when he was eight <laughs> like no one knows no one, yeah, yeah, I, mean, like, I don't know did he win a bunch of AU tournaments yeah maybe i mean but everyone remembers it afterwards and i think that there's some interesting things that other other countries and places do because at that age so much of it is like, okay, who started early enough or who, you know, had a, like, fell in love with something, practiced more, or often, like, who hit their growth spurt first, which is yep. not something that anyone can control. Um, so, like, some of the European clubs in soccer, because over there, the model is different. So, like, the big FC Barcelona and Man U and, like, these big clubs, they have academies. So, it'd be, like, the Bucks have, like, there's no AAU teams. It's, like... If you're good, you're in like the Bucks development program right. that goes all the way down to eighth grade. And in those academies, people don't realize this, but like the teams do not care how those teams 
perform because it's all about long-term development. So like there's certain things that they do where they track, um, we can track this thing called peak height or peak, peak growth velocity, basically where they can, you can look and like, you can kind of tell by taking a couple of measurements, like, is this kid in a growth spurt? If they're in a growth spurt, their risk of injury is increased. It's not growing pains. It's just that like your body's spending more energy towards growing right. less towards recovery. Like your limbs are changing lengths. You're going to be more uncoordinated. Just like your injury risk goes up. They'll actually like literally pull kids out of practice and games or like not stop them, but like significantly reduce their time so that this 10 year old doesn't have a significant injury because they, they do not care how good he is at 10 years old. They're trying to get him to be good when he's 16, 17 and it just shifts the mindset. And then a couple of times a year, rather than grouping players by age, like just, which is kind of random, like we just put all the 10 year olds together, they group them by um, like physical maturity. So they take the biggest 10 year old and have him play up with the 11 year olds. And they take the littlest 11 year old and they have him play down with the 10 year olds. Right. Where now the kid that was dominating and just like running over everyone and didn't have to learn skills is now the smallest kid on the court and like has to learn how to actually play because all of a sudden he can't just run by everyone. And then the kid that was like never got off the bench and was always the worst player on the older team now gets to be the best player, gets to be a leader, gets to like learn these things. Right. And they just like, they don't do it all the time, but a couple times a year. And they start to like identify like, hey, that kid's actually really good. Like, yeah, he's small, but like he's so much better than... Right. Um, and I just think it's so it's just such a good mindset shift and it's so different than what we do here. Well, that's something that, I mean... I remember you sharing that with me before and I, I didn't put it together, but like, um, one of the things that I've really tried to do with our training stuff is, uh, kind of preach that to parents because there's always like, you know, let's say you have a kid that's a good eighth grade kid and his parents want like, I want him working out with the best players and that, and that's fine. But that's not, like, always the case. And, like, one of the things I try to, like, preach to the parents is, like, if, if your kid is that good, if he's in an – like, he has to be in different environments. He has to be in an environment where he's the best player, and then he has to be in an environment where he's the worst player. And he needs to know and learn how to handle both of those situations because they're going to be extremely different. And, like, to always just try to get your kids up with the best kids is fine. But then it's like, what about the other parents? Yeah. They don't want to work with your kid. They want to work with the best kids, too. So (laughs) it's, I think, like, again, going back to a, like, a bigger, you know, picture. Yeah. Where you're not just hyper-focused on that, like, small slice of time and looking, like, broadly, like, what are the... What are the skills, uh, more mental skills, right? Like life skills that my athlete, my son, my daughter need to have to be successful. Because if your kid is one of the ones that's good enough to be, let's say, a college athlete, I see it all the time. Like every year, like I would say like college season starts probably three weeks and no it's usually longer than that it's usually after like the first two weeks of games because they have practice and then they've now playing time is out there and kids who have been the best player on their team the whole life now they're not playing and they can't deal with it they don't know how to fit in and play a role they don't know how to handle that adversity and then like i mean that's why you start to see like all these transfers. And I mean, there's other reasons for that, obviously, but that's part of it. It's yeah. like when it doesn't go right or how I want it to go. Yeah. What's what best for me. Yeah. And like trying to incorporate that, uh, into what I do is like, I can, I do it. Uh, it's a little bit harder than like a team environment. Yeah. because The di- dynamics are different, but trying to get players into positions where, you're the best kid in here. Like, why aren't you scoring every time? Right. Like to take that 
like dominate, like you should be dominating and then flip it and go, okay, like now you're the worst guy on the floor. You got to figure out how to help your team win and like what that encompasses. Cause that is different than what you have to do over here Yeah, and trying to, trying to put them in those situations where they have to handle it. And sometimes like, I mean, I've had, um, like kick dudes out of the gym, like the, like the meltdowns, like, because they, they just aren't ever in that situation. And it kind of goes back to like what you were saying, like the win now thing, like a lot of people aren't, um, especially if you're like competitive AAU or even if it's like a club sport and you have a kid that's really good, they're just trying to keep that kid with them, which a lot of times might be like, we're going to try to make it easier for them yeah. and give them what they want. And then when the real world comes, like it doesn't work like that. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's a really, really good point. Um, so I me mean, kind of were hitting at it there, but, and you, you know, not necessarily within your own kid, but let's say a parent came to you with a younger kid, you know, where you're going to have plenty of time. They're still in whatever middle school, something like that. And say, you know, we want this player. We want to give him a chance to be the best basketball player that he could be. And I mean, I think most players don't realize this or most parents, but like, I mean, there's, if you really want to play college basketball, there's a lot of levels mm-hmm. that you can play. Like everyone says like, Oh, I want to play college basketball. I'm like, I think most people think that means D1, but like NAIA, there's JUCOs, there's, I mean, METC. Like there's a lot of levels that if you just want to play past high school, like there's a lot of ways to do that. And it's not as big a goal as people may think. Now getting to D1, that's Yeah, that's different. different. Yeah, you can, like if you really, really, really want to play, assuming you have some level of ability, like you could probably find a spot, like a small division three school, NAI school, like you, you could do it. Right. So, so you got a parent that we want to give our kid a chance to be as good as he can be, make it to some level of college basketball. And they're like in middle school, how, like, what would your approach be to give that player the best chance to develop kind of over the course of their career? Like, not get locked into like, let me make him the best seventh grade player, but like we really need him to be good by his junior year of high school, kind of when the peak of the recruiting is. Um, honestly, I, I think the first thing is, I don't even know how to answer it because like my perspective is so different than a normal parent. And like, I have, like, if I'm thinking about my own kids, I have a knowledge and an ability to, that, like, most parents don't right. have. But in general, um, I think the first thing is, like, teaching, having your kid learn how to play. And that goes to, like, not being, like, the best fifth grader, right? Because you can be the best fifth grader and not know how to play basketball, right? Like, yeah. We see, like, with my son's team, um, we were undefeated, like, 8-9-0, right? And then we play a team. And they have a, a – like, if you – at that age, if you have a kid that's, like, quick, even if he's small and he has, like, decent ball skills, um, like, you can't stay in front of him on defense. The There's no help, right? The, yeah. Um, so, like, if you have a kid like that, you know, like, it's – they're going to be good. Yeah. Uh but like if they don't learn how to play beyond that, they're not they're not going to be yeah. good like down the road. So like the biggest thing, I, and this has been the cool thing with the, my third grade group is like they're so raw. They don't have habits, right? So they don't have good habits. They don't have bad, <laughs> but they don't have. I mean, yeah. they have bad habits, but it's just like it's not ingrained yet. Yeah, like it's not locked in. So like a lot of the stuff that we've been doing is. Um, really kind of like allowing them to try things like we'll kind of give them some guidance as they go but like we're you know we have these kids they're passing with both hands we're learning like we don't really have an offense which like short term is not probably great but like we're teaching them spacing we're teaching them like how to cut and when to cut how to use a screen 
I think like learning how to play basketball, especially how basketball is going right now, it's trending away from like the hyper athletic, uh, you know, six, eight dude who's got a 40 inch vertical to now if that guy can play basketball and has skills, like obviously he's a dude, but like it used to be like, if you have these physical traits, we're going to, we want you and we'll try to teach you to play basketball. I think it's trending the other way where, you know, being a smart basketball player, being a skilled basketball player is having, has more value yeah. than it did like five years ago. Yeah. The, the Luka Doncic effect. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's like, it's like Curry a little bit, right? Yeah. It's the Warriors, like how they played. And then, you know, I think like teams at the professional and college levels start to see like, it's almost like uh, money ball, right? Like it, you don't have to be this freak stud dude if you can do these things really well now you can kind of measure the value of that yeah and you can say like oh well this is actually for what we need for this what we need this is more valuable than that and i think that's starting to to kind of trend downward like it always does um but like teaching your kids like learning how to play um they're capable of a lot more than we think they are and letting them uh, kind of learn for them for themselves a little bit and figure it out is, uh, I think, more valuable than you know, like these highly structured, uh, you know, like rep it out, like do all that stuff. Yeah. And um, when they get into those, because the, like I think. Uh, there's a podcast called the basketball podcast. It's ran by a guy named Chris Oliver and he is very much, uh, into, uh, the psychology of learning skill acquisition, which if you know, like anything about is basically the complete opposite of how most like training or coaching is done. Um, and I've started to incorporate, I was doing a lot of that stuff like unknowingly, uh, but I've started to incorporate that into what I've been doing a lot. Yeah. And it's um, like that is the way to go for your kid. Um, because like if you look at a third grade basketball game, like we could we could go to practice and we can say five on O, you go here, you pass there, and then you go here and you pass there. And it looks great, right? It's just fantastic. Like, wow, they're getting it, right? And then you put defense out there and it's just like absolute chaos. Like, like, like that's one of the things that I've kind of learned a little bit, especially with the younger kids, because it's different is like that did not help us at all Yeah. because this is straight up chaos. So now what do we do? Well, we got to figure out a way, how do we replicate this chaos where these kids have to actually see what's going on and make decisions. Yeah. And like, that's all we've really done. And they're only in third grade, but, like, you can start to see it already where, like, uh, our last tournament before Christmas, we had, um, there was league, uh, a couple league games, right? And there was, like, multiple possessions where we had, like, two ball reversals. Everybody touched the ball, just, you know, moving the ball around and layup. And we had some parents of like other teams come up to us after the game and like, wow, like that was really impressive. Like, <laughs> you know, you don't see that. Um, it doesn't happen all the time, but like me looking at it, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, when these kids are in eighth grade, they're gonna be so good. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Like right now, I told the kids after the one game, we, we played our best game of the year by far. And I mean, we've won some games like 55 to three or like, you know, it's just straight up. Our kids are just better. And like, we didn't do anything good. We lost and we get in the huddle after, you know, like guys, I know that like, you're not probably going to understand what I'm telling you right now, even because we lost, but that was the best game that we've played the whole season. And like really trying to teach these kids, like, you know, like we don't care, like, I don't care if you win or lose. I care how you play. Yeah. You can play good and win. You can play good and lose. You can play bad and win. Right. So our, our focus isn't if we win or not, our focus is on you guys like playing the best that you can. And they're like starting to get it a little bit. 
I think like that type of approach for a long period of time, um, like you're going to get a lot of bang for your buck. Like once you get to that end point. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's awesome. And once those kids do go, you know, just learn the memorized offense, they're not going to have to memorize everything as much as they're going to understand why does coach want me passing it here, setting the pick there and running over there. Cause it, you know, like understand those concepts of that they've learned just from like learning how to play the game and it's going to be make it just that much easier for them to learn and perform long term yeah because like a lot of what i do for say middle school and high school kids is try to kind of erase a lot of what was done and not not like it's like a shot at like their coaches are like it's just how it's how i was coached too, yeah. right um but like this kind of like robot mentality versus like a f- a free flowing game where you're reading the defense and making decisions and passes and like do I slip the screen do I curl the screen like that sort of stuff is kind of where like I said, where the game is going, but it's also like, I feel like I've transitioned from like a guy that was like a skills trainer, right? Where you're going to go, all right, we're doing 25 reps of this dribble move and then 25 of this one. And then now we're going to dribble through cones and now we're going to work on these on-air layups. And like, you get good at that, but that doesn't replicate the game. That doesn't translate to the game. Yeah. Can you finish through contact? Can you finish through around a defender? Uh, you know, all those yeah, other things. Yeah, it, it, it like comes down to the decision, right? Yeah. So you have all the tools to execute these things, but if you can't make the decision, it doesn't matter. And right. I think a lot like the old school more type approach is like you have to have all these tools so that you can do well in the game. But I think you have to flip it. Yeah. Like the tools are important, but like you have to have the decision. And like I said, a lot of times, like kids will sometimes just surprise you. Like they'll do something that you would have never taught them that was perfect. Like we had um, the holiday break camps last week, third and fourth grade group. We do this like little passing one on, it's a three on uh, three on two game where they have to cut and pass. And you know, it's like a small sided game and we have fourth grader. So he's got like a teammate to his left. He's got a guy guarding him. He's got a teammate behind him. And uh, he just like kind of looks over his shoulder and throws behind the back bounce pass to a wide open kid for a layup. And like to me, that was like, this is why this is better. Because I would have never, ever taught that fourth grader to throw that pass. But it was the perfect pass. At that point. Yeah. Like you couldn't have. It was. It was awesome. Yeah. And like fostering an environment where like, I'll give you some tips, right? Like if you're stuck here, some things you could do, but not putting like the shackles on kids and like letting them figure out. And that's what you say, like Luca and, and like Jokic and like those dudes, like the stuff they do is so unconventional, but that's why like they want like freedom of play. And like, they figured these things out and like, and in those places they played against players they played up against bigger guys more talented guys more physically developed guys they had to learn how to play when they weren't couldn't just dominate based off their skills you know yeah, and so I mean, they had to learn to try stuff yeah i mean luka Doncic is like was like thir- 13 years old playing against yeah. grown men yeah. like it's pretty impressive and he'd be like oh he only scored nine points a game or whatever it's like yeah as right. <laughs> a 13 year old right. against dudes that are 30 yeah, against real pros. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's uh, I think I think that's awesome, and it, it's just such a. I mean, I think that philosophy is catching more and more on, just in a variety of things. I mean, in our field, we used to do the same thing when I first started. This is the perfect way to cut coming back from an injury, and this is how you do this. And now it's like we can't simulate the court um, or the in-game atmosphere, but a lot of our agility drills, just in rehab, start trending towards just open things and incorporate a decision-making and that incorporate a, incorporate a reaction because the movement patterns change and it's really like every on-field or on-court situation is like a problem and the athlete is just trying to find different movement solutions to 
solve that problem. And in, in a sport that could involve passing the ball or shooting or a specific move that creates space, um, but it's really just one big problem and they're just trying to solve solve it. And then the people that come up with the best solutions most often are going to end up being the best players. Yeah, and that's like one thing that I used to like do too was like I would try to recreate this like perfect situation so it would try to like replicate exactly like the game. Um, and I don't think that's as important as like just some element of reaction or decision yeah. that proceeds. Yeah, no, that's awesome. All right, well, let's shift gears just a little bit. So let's say that you were the AU basketball commissioner. Um, so I mean, I know AU gets a lot of flack at times, and I think rightfully so in some situations, but there's, there's a lot of good about getting some of the best players to be able to play against the best talent in the mm-hmm. scene. So it is one of those things that, depending what circle and who you talk to, people love it, people hate it, but... If you were kind of commissioner of that for the day, what's one thing that you would change to help the overall development of basketball players that participate in that um, kind of improve? And that's kind of like a loaded question. You asked to come on here. I got to put you to the side. I think, like, <laughs> I think um, like I said at the beginning, like being involved in it now a little bit more, there's uh, – I think a lot for a lot of parents, right? It's um, my kid wants to play basketball. Like, say you're starting at a young age. My kid wants to play basketball, and if you get outside of their team, school, whatever, like that's your opportunity. And I think a lot of people want um, just to provide, like, for their kid to play more, which has uh, value for sure. But I think the the hard part or the part that I would want to change would be probably to have a more uh, concrete schedule. Because uh, even as I've been like involved in basketball, you know, it, it, AU used to be July and August, right? And yeah. now it's uh, now they're playing in June too. And, may some in april and then the fall and then like the fall and there's even you know players that i have right now they're playing with their school team they might come see me and then their au team is trying to do stuff like during that season um so i think like a a break in between yeah would be the biggest thing because i do think there is value to it uh i just think it becomes harmful when there's no break and it's a year-round thing and then you're also doing soccer year-round and baseball year-round yeah. and now there's not like yeah i think especially in younger kids like i, I do think there's a time you know as kids as a, especially like i said in younger kids and then like being realistic about which kids are the right ones to maybe be playing year-round because i do think there's there's a select group of the population that are going to be really high-level players that are really talented that are very physically developed that just really need more exposure to play, mm-hmm. right? There's, like, another set that, like, they need to be an overall better athlete. They need to develop a better skill set. And, like, they need more of those tools that you were talking about. Like, they're just not they're not good enough to, like, be able to solve those on-court movement solutions that yeah. they probably need more time off, which then would, like, A, let them play other sports, just become a more well-rounded athlete, especially my younger kids, and then spend time, like, working on skills – and like developing those things that like learning those things versus just always having another tournament that to get ready for. Yeah. I think that part of it is when you start to get into high, like when you start to get into high school age group, you kind of see the different tiers. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, let's say you're a ninth grader and like, kind of no matter who you are, I feel like there's still those like, and they might not be illusions, but like, we could do this. We want him to be a, a playing college or whatever. And then, you know, they have this heavy AU commitment in the off season. And like, in my experience, and this isn't a knock on AU programs, just kind of how it's set up yeah. is you're going to be maybe practice twice a week, maybe. So once to two practices a week, and then you're going to go play 
five games yeah, or whatever. In two days. <laughs> so, like, you're not actually developing at all. You're playing those games with what you have. And right. I think that's the biggest problem, right? right? Is like, if, if now, if you are able to take it and have a more development-based approach, which a lot of programs will pitch, but it really is, like, more of, like, a moneymaker for them, not during the AU season, right? Yeah. We have this training that we do. And it's like, yeah, not great. Usually, where you play for this program this whole time, it's like, okay, like let's look at it. Are you better than you were when you went into this season? And like nine times out of ten, the answer is no. Yeah, just because it's not set up for that. Right. And I think that's the problem. And I think a constricted schedule would help with that also because yeah. you could devote more time to practice to. You know, developing your kids, and then, and then I think just the mindset of it is not developmental in nature. It's you trying to win, right? Which is fine, but like I think you can do both if you do it right. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and we see it all the time, like in other sports. Like I'll just kind of pick on baseball because it's very similar. But this isn't. I mean, we could take this across every youth sport right sure. now. Um, you know, but parents are always like, oh, I, like, and with us, it's always injury-based. We see this in basketball players, too. Like, oh, I've got to get back for this tournament or this showcase or this big event because that's where the coaches are going to be. And it's like, okay, I get that. But, like, if you're not very good, right. and like, or in our case, like, if you're not fully recovered and you're not going to be performing at your best, is that really want you? There's not an asterisk of, like, oh, you're coming back from an injury, so we're going to... Like, they're just going to be like, oh, he's super slow, can't move, not, can't cut. It's kind of the same thing from, like, a skill standpoint. Like, if you're not very good and you just want to go and be seen, every, you're just showing everyone that you're not, like, necessarily very good. Like, you should probably be focused on your development a little bit more, which involves playing games and, like, getting that experience and making those mistakes. But, like should be more focused on that and less focused on how often could a college coach see you play um, until you are, like, a good player. Yeah, this <laughs> like, is the best. I don't know who said it, like, but it's, like, are you – the exposure things are, like, are you there for exposure or are you being exposed? Right. Like, are you not that good? Um, and there's, like – there's a lot to that and I get why like players and parents try to do it um, but again like big picture not not the best uh, thing the other thing with basketball too is like the AAU style of play is probably not super closely reflective of competitive high school basketball competitive college basketball from a structure standpoint, yeah. I mean, it can't be because of how it's set up, yeah. right? Um, but like, you can be absolutely dominant in that type of environment and then get put into a different type of environment and not do well yeah. at all and struggle. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, and it just goes back to like that kind of what we were talking about initially is like taking that long-term approach, especially when your kids are younger, like, like what you were saying, teach them how to play, teach them skills and decision-making and that understanding. And then those kids are probably going to thrive in chaotic environments once they're in high school. And, yeah. And, and like, I've seen it with, um, like there's been a few groups of like teams throughout the state that were AU teams are really good AU teams that had kind of this core group of kids that stayed together, played together. And uh, like one of the guys that worked for me, Riley, the chance. Yeah. So he played at Vanderbilt. His AAU team, um, they had a kid that ended up going to Iowa, Brady Ellington, um, and another kid who uh, I think is all-time leading scorer at Drake and just retired from playing professionally, Reed Timmer from New Berlin Eisenhower. Um, but they like had this group of guys who had played together. They had good coaching, so they would go like. In the, I mean, these are Brady is six three, 
white dude, limited athlete, Riley 6'2", same, Reed maybe a little bit better athlete than those guys, but shorter than them. So these aren't like the guys that are like checking the boxes for yeah. like division one scholarship and like high major offers. Uh, but they were playing like like team basketball, like real like structured team basketball, and going to these national tournaments and just smoking people who had they, they had no business. Yeah. On paper, no yeah. business. They didn't have the five star. Yeah, yeah, and then that like that's how they got the attention, right? It's like, whoa, like who are like what, what is this team? Yeah, like, who are they doing? And then a couple good tournaments and offers start popping up. Yeah, um, and their games all fit the modern game that they could. Dribble it, catch yeah, it, shoot it, pass skilled, it. Bas- yeah. Skilled, smart basketball players, and like, what you know, if you can figure out how to do that, and like, I think not jump around from program to program necessarily based on like what's best for Johnny yeah. right now. Yeah, you know that's there's there's some real value. I think there's a way to like separate yourself from this huge, you know, mass of players. Like, if physically you're not an outlier. What are you going to do? Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Be more skilled. (laughs) No, that's really good advice. I mean, I think obviously we really focus on basketball today, but I think we could take a lot of these. And as your son, I'm sure will play multiple sports. You might not notice it as much in soccer or baseball or t-ball or whatever, but you know, the same approach applies no matter what sport you're interested in. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's like how, you know, it's, how to get them to learn, how to get them to compete, to work within a team. It doesn't change. You know, the ball might change, the rules change, but, like, that stuff still holds true. And then, like you said, like, you're going to look like you should learn about yourself and, like, you should be a better person when you, like, when we get done with youth sports, like, I would want to, again, when I was, like, struggling with my son. I was like, you know, I played, you know, good player, obviously, like played in college, played, I was all conference in football. And I like, think about my relationship with my dad right now. Like we hadn't, we hadn't talked about any of that in ever. Like it just doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't matter at all. Yeah. But what does matter is like the things that they were trying to get through to me at home were the same things that like I like were reinforced through sport and hopefully helped me become like a good a good dad, a good mentor to all these kids that I deal with and somebody that um is a productive <laughs> member good of member of society, yeah. you know, not just like a self entitled jerk who because I was good in seventh I scored forty points in a seventh grade game, like I treat people like <laughs> Yeah. Well and that it and that you learned how to work and develop and like you had something that you were good at and passionate about, but, it, but then you worked for that. And like, that's, yeah. I mean, same thing with my son and, you know, right now he's five or about to turn five. And like, I like playing golf. He likes playing golf, not because of me yet. I, maybe only because like golf's always on TV. on, on the right, weekends. Like it's through like, yeah, most right. Like dad's playing golf, golf's on TV and you start to be a, yeah and, and it's like but we've never pushed it on him and he's gotten as again, as five-year-olds right. go like he's gotten pretty good compared to the other five-year-olds and i'm like i really don't care how good he ends up being i want to continue to give him every chance to develop and if he ends up being really good awesome but you know for me i'm like i'd love for him to love the game because my wife plays it's like where we do a lot most of our vacations are centered around going to play golf like i get to pick him up from school in the summer or camp and like we go play nine holes together or whatever it's yeah. like those are the things and then i was talking to somebody else like i mean i think golf as like a character development thing is so good of like they there's a thinking element there's a strategy there's thinking critically about things it's unbelievably frustrating like how do you yeah like how do you handle when it goes bad like how yeah. do you you know can and, you regroup yeah and it's a it's like a it's a self-managed like honor game there's no referees there's no like you could you could 100 percent cheat right at, like and probably never get caught like maybe but um so there's like learning about integrity and that like 
yeah, you want to win and compete, but like not at the expense of being, you know, dishonorable. So like, there's so many lessons. It's like, I want him to like the game so that he has fun playing it and he can learn all those things through it. And if he ends up being good, awesome. If not, then like, I still would love it if he just had fun and like had a lifelong sport that he could be even if he was average. Yeah. And that's like, as a parent, that's what you want. Right. Yeah. And like, I think the cool thing about sports is if you're the worst player on the team or the best player on the team, there's something applicable for you to learn about that, how to handle that situation and like how to maneuver going forward where like there's not a lot of other things for a kid yeah where you can get in that type of environment and it's competitive right like we got tears sometimes right like yeah that's fine like you care like yeah. like how do you handle it yeah well, let's learn from that so no i uh i think this is awesome hopefully a lot of really applicable a- applicable things that people can take away from this and to hopefully having a different perspective, whether it's parents or coaches or, or whatnot on how do we approach long-term development in youth athletics, whether it be, you know, basketball, which is what we focus on today or, or other sports that are more interesting to you or your kids. So thank you very much for the, uh, for the time today, Luke. Um, people want to learn more about you and what you're doing, where online can they, uh, can they go to, to check in and check out what you're doing? Yeah, so we'll do pretty much everything through social media. On uh, Twitter, we have my personal account, which I share a lot. Of, it's, it's mostly basketball-centered, obviously. Stuff that we're doing, thoughts, is uh, at Luke Meyer. And then the business account for Real Work Basketball is realwork.b, at realwork.b. And then Twitter is realworkbasketball. Yeah, perfect. Or Instagram, actually. Instagram, Instagram. yeah. So. We'll get uh, all of those links for Twitter and Instagram in the show notes. Um, and I'll also include Luke's last episode, which we, you know, went much more into high school, college, like professional players and, and some of the skill development side kind of took this this one in a different direction because of uh, everything that was fresh on Luke's mind. So um, thank you to everyone that's listening and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Hey, wait a minute. Did you enjoy this episode? You could really help us out by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes to help spread the word about this podcast so we can help more athletes and families just like you. We really enjoy these episodes, getting to talk to other people and sharing high quality evidence-based information to help more athletes and families in their pursuits of their goals. So if you could take a second to help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it.